so good. Awesome. How many of you have a seat tonight? Great to be here with you. Great to be. And I do feel like family. Uh, you know, Pastor Sam and Carolina, great friends of uh, my wonderful wife and I. Been friends for a long, long period of time. I remember when you guys got married. And uh, I remember when you guys started ministry and just served with these guys for a long period of time. Uh, Jared and Nicola, you guys are legends. They used to run our creative over at City Point West. You guys stole them away. And... Uh, Praise God for that, and it's just great. It's awesome to hear Jared singing, and I just love worshipping uh, when he is a part of that. And uh, Dan and Sarah. Sarah's like the only daughter I have in my life. She, she's been a great daughter, and, and Dan stole her away as well. So it's lots of stealing happening in this place. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, it's an awesome thing. Great to be with you, and great to see just a, a house growing. And I, I love coming here every time, seeing new faces, seeing, seeing uh, the, the place expand, Sunday morning service, extra service added, and just seeing what God is doing in a great, great way. And you know, I've been in the last couple of months right across all of our locations and, and seeing growth at North, seeing growth uh, out at our Pine Rivers, uh, our Ipswich location. I was there last Sunday preaching. I was like, squeeze in to get to the front row like this because you just can't get through there. Just growth incredibly. And uh, God is doing good things through City Point Church. If you're brand new here, I'm excited to have you with uh, us. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, from the western suburbs of Brisbane, the southwestern suburbs. Uh, we're in Anala. If anyone knows Anala, uh, it's a place that needs Jesus in a big, big way. And uh, we are there just seeing God do incredible, incredible stuff, which is so very exciting. Let's get into my message tonight. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Jonah. And uh, we're going to skip through that a little bit. I want you to bear with me and, and uh, I'm just going to throw some verses at you quickly. So you've got to be on the, on the track as we do that tonight. My message tonight is entitled Missing the Point. You know, sometimes we miss the point, don't we? Sometimes uh, I'm an argumentative person. And anyone that knows me would know that's the case. And sometimes in my argumentative nature, I can miss the point. Some of us are like this. And in fact, all of us at times miss the point of what's actually going on in life. I had a a situation just like this. And it wasn't just an argumentative situation. But I was having a discussion with a vegan recently. Now, if you're a vegan in the house, forgive me. I'm not trying to point my finger at you and have a go at you, but I'm discussing with this young lady who's a vegan. Now, if you know me at all, you know I love a bunch of things. I love my Jesus. I love my family. I love the house of God, but I also love going spearfishing. And uh, in spearfishing, if you don't know what that is, that's jump in the water, dive down, shoot a fish, take it home, cut its fillets off, eat it. It's beautiful. It's great. It's awesome for you. It's healthy activity. Uh, and I'm discussing with this woman who was angry that I like spearfishing, angry that I'd get in the water and kill fish. She's like, I can't believe you would kill a living animal. That animal was swimming, minding its own business, and then you kill it, you cut its throat, and then you eat it. Oh, it's so sad. She believes that you should only eat stuff that's already dead. It shouldn't be any meat. It's only vegetables. And she was just really passionate about this. And we're having this conversation. I went on to tell her, you know, spearfishing is the most ecologically sustainable form of fishing. I don't just willy-nilly kill anything. I pick the fish I want. I shoot it. I take it home. And, you know, I went on to say it's not just indiscriminate killing like when you're lying fishing you oh, don't want that one oh, I don't want that I don't do that I take the one I want I bring it home and that's the one I eat to have this conversation she's like oh still you're killing an animal I went on to say you know fish is really good for your body 
It's full of omega-3s. Omega-3s are really important for, for children to eat in, in the formation of the brain. It, it's such an important thing. As you get older, it helps to repair the brain. You, you should be doing that. In fact, if you don't, your brain would be affected by the fact you don't have omega-3s, which I went on to say, maybe that's why you have the opinion that you do. Obviously, she didn't find that so great and had a good counter-argument. Her counter-argument is this, I get omega-3s. Oh, you do? How do you do that? She went on to tell me, I take fish oil tablets every day. (laughs) Now, if you're wondering what the issue right there is, she missed the point because fish oil tablets are made from what? Fish. Fish. I dumbfoundedly looked at her and I said, I think you're missing the point of all this. You know, we do it, don't we? We miss the point sometimes. We get to the place in our lives, it could be an argument, it could be things that are going on around us. We just miss the point. If you know the book of Jonah, you're going to read the ultimate miss the point guy. He is this guy that missed the point hugely. And finally, when you read the book of Jonah, you see in this incredible reflections. In fact, the whole of the Old Testament is filled with reflections on us as individuals, reflections on the church as a whole, and often you'll see a reflection on culture. When we read through the book, uh, read through the Old Testament, the book of Jonah is just like this. It's a guy that misses the point hugely and how that reflects on us. I want to look at that tonight. Can we do that for a moment? Now, you may be brand new and you're not sure what Jonah is about, who Jonah is. Let me just catch you up. I know many in the room have read this book a million times and heard stories about Jonah, but maybe you're brand new. Let me just walk you through the story for a while so that you're, you're caught up with us and, and getting what we're talking about tonight. So here in the book of Jonah, it's about this guy. He's a young prophet. A prophet, someone that's supposed to go and tell what God is saying to the people. God speaks to him and says, go to Nineveh and tell them if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy them. Now, this guy, again, number one, missed the point right here. He turns and runs away. Instead of going and doing what God asked him to do, jumps on a boat, heads the opposite direction. The Bible tells us that God causes a storm to arise And the boat's at risk of sinking. Everyone's freaking out. Who did something wrong that caused God to to punish us like this? They they roll some dice and it comes up, Jonah's the man. Jonah, what did you do wrong? You know, Jonah's like, "Uh, I'm actually running from God on the ship, guys. You know, I've done bad. I shouldn't be here. He asked me to go there. I'm heading here. You know, the only way to stop this from happening, take me and throw me over the side. So they do that, as every good person trying to save their life. Whoop, Jonah's gone over the side. The Bible tells us that a large fish swallows Jonah in its stomach for three days. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually down in Bermagui on the southern New South Wales coast. If you don't know where that is, it's, it's like the smallest town you've ever met, but it's right on the water and it's one of the closest places to the continental shelf in on the east coast of Australia. We're down there, and what we're doing, a friend of mine and I were out on a boat for two days, driving around looking for seals and big bait balls, jumping in on those bait balls and spearing striped marlin. We shot fish between 90 and 100 kilos down on these bait balls. Now, I can imagine fish like that, I'm talking like 10-foot-long fish, could swallow you whole. If you've ever seen a massive striped marlin, they could do that easy. I can imagine this striped marlin coming eating up Jonah and just swim around for a little while with a tummy ache because that's, that's like the biggest thing I've ever eaten and struggling and finally spews him up on the beach three days later. You know, this story is incredible because now God speaks to him. He says, get your butt 
to Nineveh now. And he's obedient at this moment. Not happily obedient, more like if there's a parent in the house, more like the obedience your kid shows when they're cleaning up their room. It's like clean up your room and it's like everything's getting thrown around like that. It's, they're obedient, but they're not obedient with a smile. This is Jonah right here. He's, he's going in. The, the Bible says that he comes in to a city of about 100,000 people and he starts to say to them, you guys need to repent or God's going to kill you all. He probably had a smile on his face at the time. God's going to kill you, you filthy heathens. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says they start to heed the voice of Jonah and they tear off their clothes and put on clothes of repentance and they start to repent. At this, Jonah gets angry. Jonah gets upset. He's cranky. He goes and sits up on a hill and he's waiting for God to smite them. He's like, smite them, almighty smiter. That's what's going on. He's waiting for this to happen. He's waiting for them to be destroyed. And he starts to get even angrier. And he says, God, you haven't killed them. You haven't destroyed them the way you said you would. I knew this was what's going to happen. And it gets to the heart of why he's actually angry, why he didn't want to come in the first place. He said, God, I knew in the first place that I would come here, I would preach, and my preaching's so good, they'd all repent. And then I knew your grace was so huge, you'd forgive them. He shows his heart right there. His heart's so clear. I I wanted them to die. I didn't like these people. I didn't want any of them to survive. God, I wanted you to destroy them. My running away, a part of the root cause of that is my heart was not for these people to survive. The story goes on. God makes a little tree to grow up over him to uh, shield his head from the sun because he's there cranky, angry. And the tree starts to shield him and he's enjoying the tree for a while. But now a worm comes and eats the tree and it dies. He gets even angrier. He gets upset. God, my tree's dead. No more tree. I love my tree. I called him Fred. He was my friend. And God says to him, man, what is wrong with you? You're getting upset at a tree dying. But 100,000 people being wiped out, you didn't care one single bit. That's the end of the book of Jonah. God just saying, Jonah, you have missed the point so bad. As I said, this book is a reflection on our culture. It's a reflection on the church. And sometimes as us as individuals, it's a reflection on us. Let me walk through that. I'm going to start at the end and walk our way backwards and show the reflections that are seen here and what they speak to us about. The first thing you see there is at the end. He's lost his value for humanity. God says to him, you cared about a stupid tree, but had no care at all for 100,000 people about to be wiped out. Here is a reflection on our culture and this day and age like nowhere else in the Bible. Let me, let me show you this reflection for a while. Let me just draw some parallels. We live in a day and age right now that people are upset when someone cuts down a tree. We've got people chaining themselves today to trees to save a tree. We've got people that are so upset that a, a bit of coral bleaches up in, in, in the Great Barrier Reef, weeping over some bleached coral. But every day... Thousands of babies are aborted. 
Where are the people crying for the thousands of aborted babies? They're crying for trees. They're crying for coral. But the aborted babies, many people don't even care or agree with the abortions. Now, let me be clear. We are stewards of this earth and we must be good stewards. As the people of God, we should steward the resource placed before us, whether it's finance or the environment. I want to be really clear about that. But at the fact of losing our value of humanity, what a sad thing. I don't know if you saw, but a couple of days ago, around 80 whales beached themselves down in in southwest Western Australia. You know, the people on the beaches digging these things for days, trying to get them back into the water, trying to rescue them. Six of them survived. All the rest died. People weeping on the beach, weeping on the beach at, at 65 dead whales. You know, in the time we've been speaking here, hundreds of people have been slaughtered in countries all over the world, trying to escape from places like Syria, the Middle East, trying to escape in, in areas of Africa where genocide had been outworked. And, and nobody's crying. Nobody's trying to dig trenches to rescue people. In fact, we're all shouting out, government policy needs to be put in place to stop these people getting into our country because we've got no space. 22 million in one of the biggest land masses. You know, I think sometimes our cultures miss the point. We need government policies, don't get me wrong, but sometimes we just miss the point. Our cultures miss the point because we lost value in humanity. We cry for the trees, we cry for the coral, we cry for the whales. But when babies are being aborted, no one's crying, no one's shouting. When the refugees and asylum seekers are being killed and murdered right across this planet, we just see it as news and let it pass by. Don't even care anymore. We, we lost the value of humanity. This is the reflection on our culture today. This is a reflection on our nations. The Western cultures lost the value of humanity. Who's shouting? Who's crying? Who's screaming out? We see the reflection. If we go back a couple of verses, the start of chapter 4, he's there and he's saying to God, God, This is why I didn't want to come. God, I knew, again, I knew I would be a good enough preacher to turn their hearts. I knew your mercy was big enough to reach out and to wipe away their sins when they repented. This is why I didn't want to come. This is the prophet of God. Can you imagine Pastor Sam up here preaching next Sunday and the whole peninsula is squeezed into this auditorium. And hands are popping up everywhere. Everybody is repenting. And Pastor Sam going, oh God, I knew you'd forgive them all again. One of those filthy heathens to go to hell. Sick and tired of them finding Christ. It's terrible. This is exactly what's going on in this situation. Exactly. It's exactly that. The prophet is upset that his preaching was good enough and God forgave them. What a crazy, insane moment. You couldn't miss a point any worse if you tried. But sometimes this is a reflection of the church as a whole. Let me for a moment just cast a few 
thoughts out there. And I know some of them aren't you, and I'm not trying to point as individuals here, but let me just paint a picture of sometimes the issues we have as a church. You know, right now in Europe, we're seeing a massive influx of Islamic people causing huge challenges in culture. If you watch the news at all, you'll see just the other day, a man who, who pledged allegiance to Islamic State murdered six people, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Six people shot a whole bunch more. I think around 20-something more were injured until and, and, he's finally shot dead. Most people go, thank goodness that filthy Islamic person was shot dead. That's most people and most Christians' response. They follow it with this. We shouldn't have any more Islamic people in our country. That's generally the follow-up to that. Let's get rid of all the Islamic people. Let's move them out of our country. You know, I'm not quite sure that's God's heart. Let me be really clear. We live in a unique time in history. There's no time like our time. This time is so unique because right now, this issue isn't just in Europe. This is also an Australian issue. We maybe don't have yet the same outworkings. Those things may follow. We don't yet have them as much as they do in these European countries. But we see an influx of Islamic people, maybe not necessarily on the peninsula, but where I am, if I'm walking down the road, I'm seeing people continually wearing burqas. I'm definitely seeing lots and lots of Islamic people in our area. And our response as Christians, and as the church can sometimes be, we're a Christian nation. We should only accept Christians. We shouldn't be having any of these people here. They're, they're terrible people, bad belief systems. No doubt the belief system's bad. You know the worst part about it? is a belief system that's wrapped up in religion that binds people. A system that binds women hugely and it binds men in an understanding of God that is foreign from the truth of who God really is. That's the worst part of this system. Now, as a church, we get angry at a system. Therefore, we cast our angry, anger on a system onto people. This is where we're unique. I couldn't go into Iran today and preach Jesus to Muslims. I can't walk into Iraq and preach Jesus to Muslims. Well, not if I want to live for very long anyway. I can't walk into Syria, Afghanistan. But right now, in the streets of Brisbane, we have families that are Iranian. We have families that are Iraqis. We have families that are Afghan. We have families that are from Syria. In our cities right now, and we have a moment of freedom. That may change in the future, no doubt. But right now we have a moment. We have an opportunity. And here's what happens. Sometimes we miss God's heart because we get upset at the things that happen because of a system, a religious belief system. We get upset at that and we cast it on people. And we as a church can miss God's heart. You know, right now, there is a move of God amongst Muslims right across the globe. And we have an opportunity in our world, why we have the freedom, while we have the moment, to share Christ with these people that are here, come from brokenness, come from hurt, and have open hearts. They need help. We have an opportunity to be their answer. As the church, at times, we can be pointing the, our fingers and saying, get rid of them, move them out, and missing the point of what God has done right here. This is our moment. This is our moment. Now, again, we need government policy. Those things are great. But if our focus is on government policy alone, we miss the moment 
and miss what God's asked us and called us to do. Again, right across the globe, Islamic people are coming to Christ. And let me tell you, some of the greatest Christians I've met in the last couple of years are ones that have come out of Islam. They have a deep founding love for Jesus Christ. They put us Christians to shame all of the time. I just think of my church. I have this amazing Iranian family that invite more people than any other, any other family in our church. They're continually inviting people. The problem is most of those people can't speak English, so they're inviting them in and trying to, they can't even speak English real well themselves, trying to tell them what's going on right here, and they're struggling with their own English. That's one of the reasons why they haven't invited more. We just last two weeks ago had our water baptisms. Man, I'm telling you what, I, I, I saw this one guy. He also coming from Iran. He, he got water baptized. Before the service, he said, Pastor, I can't speak good enough English to, to share anything, but can you share for me this? He said, in my country in Iran, I heard about Jesus. I tried to find out and I got in trouble because it's illegal to even ask the questions. He said, I came to Australia and someone gave me a Bible. He said, when I got that Bible... Let me be clear, a legal immigrant. He is an asylum seeker. When I got that Bible, I've read it three times. He said, I have this great love for Jesus. When I came to City Point West, you guys all accepted me. And now here I am telling people that I follow Jesus. You know what? This guy's telling me, just tears start to well up in my heart, well up in my eyes. Just this guy's deep love for Jesus. This is happening right across the globe. You know, right now, Jesus is appearing in, in, in yeah. Islamic countries to whole towns and they're turning to Jesus Christ. Imams are having encounters with Jesus coming and speaking to them and mosques are turning into Christian locations. We had an amazing man come. He's a guy from Egypt. He's sending, uh, he's sending people right across Europe and right across the Middle East uh, on outreaches, reaching out to the, to the refugees that are coming out of these countries. And he's sending just young people, like between 18 and 21-year-olds, into these refugee camps to bring food and to share Jesus with these people. Amazing guy. He's telling me story after story of Jesus appearing. They did an outreach in Cairo and a security guard turned up and realized it's a Christian thing. He went to leave and Jesus spoke to him verbally and said, you need to stay. He went home and he got in his home. He's like closing his ears. This is freaking him out. Took his fingers out of his ears and Jesus spoke to him again and said, get back right now to that crusade. He went back there and received Jesus into his life and become now one of the guys that's out bringing Christ to others. God's doing these crazy things. He shared this story of a young 18-year-old girl that goes into a, into a, uh, a village where all the refugees are, and he starts sharing. She's sharing with a group of about 30 women, and she shares the story of Jesus leaving the 99 to come and take the one, put the one sheep on his shoulders and bring him back. This woman starts to shout out, Stop, stop, you're telling my story. I'm telling your story. What, what story am I telling? This woman goes on, an old, elderly woman with a walking stick. She goes on to tell the story. I just a couple of weeks ago escaped, uh, I believe, uh, out of Syria. And we had to escape across. I paid a man uh, every bit of money that I had to help me and my daughter escape. She and her daughter are the only members of the family that hadn't been killed by ISIS. She paid, them, paid this guy to escape. They had to meet at 8 p.m. sharp and run from 8 p.m., to 5 a.m. Because if they get seen in the light traveling through this mountainous area, they will be killed by ISIS. 
So they're running through the night. They start running. She's got a walking stick. And the guy that's, that's there leading them through this, this path in the mountains comes back and says, you're falling behind. You need to keep up or we're going to leave you. This woman's trying on a walking stick. The daughter's trying to help her go along. And they're going and going. And the man comes back and says to her, you're, you're going to get us all killed. Snaps her walking stick in half, throws it on the ground, said, you stay here and die with your daughter and runs off with the rest of the people. About 15 minutes later, a guy appears out of nowhere and comes and picks this old woman up on her shoulders, on his shoulders, and starts to carry this woman on her shoulders. And, and the daughter and the, and the woman there are now running with this guy, trying to catch up to the people that are going ahead. He's carrying on the shoulders and she says, who are you? Where do you come from? This man says, my name is Jesus. And she starts to ask the question, where do you come from? Tell me more about you. And he says, I'll send someone to tell you more about me. In the morning, he arrived when everyone else arrived at five in the morning. She got into this camp. And two weeks later, an 18-year-old girl starts to tell that story. Powerful stories. I'm sitting with this guy, Thackeray. He's telling me 100 stories like this. I've got tears just rolling down my cheeks as I'm reminded by the heart of God. And his heart is for people. You know, sometimes the church, we get frustrated at system. We get frustrated at other religions and we miss the heart of God that is always for people. The people in our city today, some of them are messed up, no doubt, but they need Jesus Christ. And we have an opportunity. And when we reflect the right heart of God, we see something different. We see a moment, a unique one. Uh, There's never been moments like this before where our streets are filled with Islamic people, Hindus as well, Buddhists as well, even some filthy, dirty Aussie heathens in our streets. We have a moment of freedom. We have a moment to take the gospel. We have a moment to preach Christ. We have a moment to bring the freedom that's in Jesus Christ to other people. This is our moment. Let's not miss the heart of God. Again, this sometimes is reflected in the church. Let's jump back. To Jonah chapter 1. Where's the other reflection? The reflection's there in the fact that he ran from God. He ran from God. You know, this is a reflection sometimes as us as individuals. We see, first of all, a reflection on our culture. The reflection on our culture right there loses the value of humanity. We see reflection sometimes on the church that just sometimes misses the heart of God. This is our reflection here on us as individuals that we sometimes just run from God. Now, I know in the room we might be saying, I'm in church on a Sunday night. I'm not running from God, obviously. But you know, sometimes we run from God by just being in the house. If you read the book of Matthew, Jesus finished up and he says, all right, now go and enjoy Sunday night worship. Go and pray together in the house of God and Listen to Pastor Sam preach. Go and, and be inspired when Pastor Carolina brings the word. Actually, I, I didn't read that in the book of Matthew. Anyone else? Maybe, maybe the message says it. When I read in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, Now go, preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what my Bible says is in the book of Matthew. You know, sometimes our run is wrapped up in I'm doing the things of God, I'm serving God, I'm in the house, I'm giving, I'm sowing. And we haven't shared Christ for decades. Sometimes our running from God is just wrapped up in all that we do. Now, 
I tell you what, there's nothing more powerful on a Sunday night than to be here in the house and to worship and to hear Pastor Sam challenge us and Pastor Carolina preach the word. Those things are valuable. But when that's all we do, sometimes we run into here. God's saying, hey, your neighbour still doesn't know me. Your workmate needs me badly. The opportunity that I opened for you to share Christ and you turned the other direction and ran away. This is where it's a reflection on us. Because all of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, have done it somewhere, somehow. Maybe we do it from fear. Maybe we do it because of disappointment. Maybe we do it because we're just challenged by those situations. Maybe sometimes we do it just because the heart isn't right and we've become indifferent. If I can be honest with us, with my areas where I do this, it's usually because of indifference. I just become indifferent to everything that's going on around me. So caught up in church world that I'm indifferent to what church world is supposed to be. It's supposed to be inclusive. It's supposed to be filled with invitation. It's supposed to be filled with a moment of going. Yes, I come and get inspired, then I go. Indifference gets around us. We miss the heart of God. We lose our value on humanity. And we just miss what God's trying to do in us and through us happens to us all we all have moments like this I've had moments like this I'm sure Pastor Sam and Carolina too they had moments like this get caught up in everything going on around us again sometimes it's caught up in the politics of it this government policy should say this it should say that it should be doing this Ah, those people shouldn't be here you know what in that indifference we miss all God's really doing right now and we miss our moment it would be heartbreaking that in 20 years' time to look back on this moment and say, my God, how did we miss it? I can be real honest and say the Islamic system is doing its best not to miss this moment. So many other religions are doing their best, just trying to wrap people up in brokenness and religion. We have a message of life and truth that's found in Jesus Christ. We found it. We know it. My God, we've got to bring it to people that they can find truth. They can find freedom. They can find hope again. They can find life. I found it 20 something years ago. It so revolutionized my life. That's why I'm here today. And our moment is to bring that to others. Can we make sure we don't run from that? It's our moment today. It's our time right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes right across this place. We finish here today. Jesus, my God, your grace is so much, is so great. The book of Jonah tells us about a grace that reaches a whole city, washes them clean. Our God, Your Word tells us about the fact that Jesus brought grace to us all. In fact, John recorded, For God so loved the world 
that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him would not die but have everlasting life. Jesus, thank You for that grace. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. My God, I pray right now for people here in this room that maybe don't know you. Maybe it's somebody's first time in the house. They've never heard the message of the grace that's in Jesus Christ. My God, I pray that you'd bring truth to that in their hearts. That they would know that you're trying to call them to yourself. Call them to a relationship with the living God. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that grace. You know what heads about and eyes are closed right across this room. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. Maybe it's your very first time in the house of God. And if that's the case, I'm so glad you're here with us. Here to know that there is a Jesus that loves you. There is a God in heaven that wants to have a relationship with you. And right now we're going to pray a simple prayer of invitation. Maybe you're saying, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to come and invite Christ to be a part of my life. I ask you to do something simple if that's you. I'd love you to give me a wave today. Saying, yeah, Tim, I need him in my world. Maybe you've been here many times before and you know, so you've walked away from God and it's time to come back to him. Walk with him again. I'd love you too to give me a wave. Simply saying, Tim, I need that today. I need that prayer. I need to come into a relationship with God. Right across this room today. Is anyone like that? This is your moment. It's a beautiful one. 20-something years ago, I was in a room like this, made a decision just like this, changed my world. Anyone like that today? Don't miss this moment before we pray. Beautiful one for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My God, right across this room tonight. Right across this room tonight. We lift up this house to you. We lift up the people in this house to you. God, your voice calls so loud to us. So loud to what you've called us to do, who you've called us to be. Let us respond to you, my God. Respond to your call for this time, for now, for this day. For the moments that lay before us, the opportunities that lay before us. My God, let us respond to those moments. In Jesus' name. You know, right across this room, there's a bunch of believers in the house. I know that. And the timing, the moment, the now is so real for us. You know, I feel like God just challenged even some of our hearts about our response to Him. You know, I would love us to stand up across this place. If you're saying, God, I'm, I'm ready for this moment. I'm ready for this now to bring Christ to people. To, I want you to stand right across this room and lift your hands. I'm going to pray for all of you. The moments.